That decision to go complete my degree at WGU and get that MBA. I fam and if you're new here welcome to the hypergamous life i'm chloe underscore so today's video is a necessary evil and it's a topic it's a subject that seems to go over a lot of women's heads and it goes over a lot of men's heads as well and that's understanding the difference between love desire and attraction uh there's a lot of confusion and delusion uh people tend to blend them together and use them interchangeably people tend to blend them in a way that fits their narrative, which is very damaging <laughs> to having a hypergamous mindset. So I thought I'd talk about those things today. So of course, all human beings want to be loved. All human beings want to be accepted. All human beings want someone to care. Uh, and this is very important for human nature. Uh, but then there's romantic love, the kind that involves attraction, chemistry, commitment, loyalty, trust, you know, vulnerability, and all of those feelings that terrify people, terrify both men and women. So with women, a lot of women say they want a man to love them. They want a man to take care of them. They want to meet a man who's a man. Uh, they want a man who loves them for them. Uh, they want a man to be there for them. Uh, when they need them, they want a man who's a good listener, they want a man to rub their feet, give them a back massage, but then those same women turn around and neglect their looks, or they've completely let themselves go. Uh, a lot of men, they say they want a tent, they want a dime, but they don't want to pay for it. They want, uh, they want bomb sex, they want a loyal woman. They want a woman who can cook and clean. They want a woman who can emotionally support them, but then they don't want to provide or they can't provide. And then there's this powerful word called attraction that I want a lot of ladies and gentlemen to understand is probably the most important part of a romantic, if not the most important part of a romantic relationship. And a lot of women, women in relationships and women who aren't in relationships don't understand attraction and how it works. Love is a feeling, a fleeting feeling. It comes and it goes, it ebbs and it flows. You can love someone today and hate them tomorrow. But attraction is a force, a desire, uh, a desirable force, uh, a, mo a motivating energy. And it has a lot of power, especially seductive power. And women, especially women who want to live hypergamously, you need to understand the difference. Because if you want success with men who are protectors and providers, you got to understand how attraction works. Because your man can love you and care about you. And I need you to hear this. And you can love him and care about him. But are you attracted to each other? Is there desire between you two? And I'm going to say something that may offend some who are listening, but there's no point in having a channel if you're not going to speak the truth. Uh, a lot of men and women have no sense of presentation when it comes to what they look like to the opposite sex. <laughs> a lot of women and men are out here looking busted, disgusted, <laughs> unappealing, sloppy. Uh, listen, I live in New York City, an expensive city. And so many women and men treat their looks as an afterthought. 
but particularly for women, because looks are very important for women to uphold. So, you know, a lot of women treat their looks like it's the last thing on their minds. They don't understand (laughs) attraction. And I need women to hear this because a lot of women think that they don't have to look good. A lot of women think a man should be attracted to her good heart, her fun personality, her college degree. A lot of women think that a man should be attracted to uh, where she's at in her career, uh, how hard she works. And I'm sorry to burst your bubbles, ladies, but men are not attracted to none of that in the least. They want to know, do you look good? Do you have sex appeal? And we need to start teaching our daughters, our independent daughters, our smart, brilliant, beautiful daughters, and to start a conversation on how to blend femininity and being a career woman, blend femininity with and sex appeal with being an intelligent woman. We can do both. Uh, and we need to start a new generational pattern, but that's besides the point. Attraction is not love. Attraction is a connection to desire. Desire is what keeps the magnetic energy between a man and woman going. And I'll let you in on a little secret. Desire is way more powerful than love when it comes to dealing with men. So women, look good. Be feminine if you want success in hypergamy. And for men, you are attractive to women when you are masculine, when you're confident, and when your finances are in order. Women like to be impressed. And they are attracted to men who can back up their egos. And just as a sidebar, I'm sorry for some of you men, but I'm definitely going to be schooling women on how to see through the smoke, how to detect the uh, the fakes and the frogs, you know, fakes, the frogs and the frauds when it comes to hypergamous dating. So for you ladies, men are attracted, and I'm going to keep saying this until I'm blue in the face, to femininity. Sex appeal, seduction, mystery, and confidence, feminine confidence, not masculine, tough confidence that a lot of women walk around with. And keep in mind that although a man may say he loves you, attraction is what keeps a man coming back for more. It's about looking good, your makeup, your hair, taking care of your body. Those are the kinds of things that make a man sit up straight. Your beauty and your sex appeal is what inspires and it drives a man to get this money. Because (laughs) all men want a woman that looks good. And for you men, women are attracted to security and the possibilities of all it can bring. Being a stay-at-home mom, being a stay-at-home wife, being home with their children and never missing those precious moments that so many working moms uh, and single moms, they get to miss out on, you know. There's, uh, women are attracted to providers, men who take care of business, men who take care of their families. There's nothing more attractive than a doer. And a lot of men fight women on being providers and wonder why they aren't seen as desirable. Just like women tend to push back when it comes to leveling up her looks. A lot of women don't want to make that effort and then wonder why they keep attracting these homeless men and dust mites because both sexes are lost and confused about attraction and desire you know they confuse it with love like oh i'm a good person he should love me no it's more about is he attracted to you are you desirable do uh do you see yourself as a woman with sex appeal do you exude sex appeal energy men are more intrigued by that and 
it pulls them in more than say just you just being a good person. So if you want to stand out and stand apart from others, focus on making yourself attractive. Looking good, ladies, comes with, and I cannot understate this, it comes with huge benefits and it will open doors that will shut when you were looking a hot mess. So that's all I have to say about this for now. <laughs> Desire, <laughs> love, and attraction are three separate things, you know, and I want women to really uh, take that away from this video. So that's all I have to say about this for now. Sound off. Let me know what makes a man attractive to you. Uh, what makes a woman attractive? Let me know in the comment section. Please like, share, and subscribe for, my, for more hypergamous content. And I will see you in the next one. Donald J. Trump. You gotta vote for one. <laughs> Ronald Reagan, George Walker Bush, or Trump. My God. Get this wallow, people tell me you're now tuning in to Where's Wallow? I'm right here with my brother, Seated God. Listen, man, we're not gonna play no game this season, too, so we ain't gonna play, man. A brother, you always say, Listen, if you need me, come. I came up to New York, called him, though. He came right up, pulled up, and that's game time. I'm gonna get straight to the point. Uh, if you gotta vote for one of these guys, who you voting for? Ronald Reagan, George Walker Bush, Donald J. Trump. You gotta vote for one. <laughs> Ronald Reagan, George Walker Bush, or Trump. My God, you gave me all the lesser three. Gotta vote for one. Yes. No, Reagan, Reagan had the head had the white. Snow white. I'm gonna be honest with you. That might be here where I'll be like, man, fuck this voting shit. That's my only option. You gotta vote for one, bro. God. Damn. You gotta vote for one. Come on. I probably, you know what though, it probably would be Reagan, and the only reason it would be Reagan is because even though Ronald Reagan did introduce you know, crack to all communities, and it did do a lot of death and destruction to all communities, it got a lot of brothers rich too, you know, it's like I got a lot of brothers in jail time, so I don't know, it's like, it's, it's like, it's, it's, there's no win in that situation, except for the few brothers that escaped, but I mean, when I say few, it was few, yeah. and far between. I don't know, bro. God damn. You know what, though? I'm going to tell you what I would do in a situation like that. I would go into the voters booth and write Jesus on the back. No, no, no. no. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus, he ain't doing some other stuff. He ain't got time to be president in America. Because yeah. he got the world. So who is you? You got to give me one. I, mean, I, guess, I guess George George W. Bush, because I lived through that era. George Walker Bush? Yeah. All right, what's Which one was the daddy? The da I'm talking about George Walker was the son. Yeah, the son. So George W. Oh, okay, okay. I, I lived through that era. That era, we, we did, I mean, we, we did all right in that era. Like, in that era made way for Barack Obama. Okay, you know, so, I don't know. I guess maybe him. I guess people seem to like him now for whatever reason. All right, two different eras. Who you bringing back out of these two different eras? I'm going to do, do one era, then another one. Fredro Santana, XXXSension, Juice World. Who you bringing back right now? God damn, Wallow. You who you bringing back? Crazy questions. These kids. I thought I had crazy questions. Who you bringing back? I want all of them to come back. No, no. You only got one. Everybody can't come back, bro. You only got one. I don't. I only got I, one. I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. That's a very personal question. I know that they families are watching. I wouldn't want to do it. That's a politically correct. You right. just in general. Like, I feel like those are black men. I don't want to do anything. To, like, to no, but you might like somebody more than you like the other What one. am I bringing them back? What's the, what are the reasons I'm bringing them back? You just, you can push a button and just bring them back. I'm, it don't matter. You can push a button and bring them back. Right now. Man, I, oh, God. 
somebody else to look up. No, I'm going to give you another one. I mean, that's the generation, though. I got to figure out, you know what I mean? Oh, uh, man, I didn't have an, no disrespect to none of those brothers. I didn't have an emotional connection to any of those brothers. Just as a human being, another black man. Did you I listen would, to one of them? I would like to see all of them come back. I really did. Only when I, I, I listened to uh, Juice World only because that song used to be on the radio all the time. Lose your dreams. Like, that just wasn't my thing. Like, I never... I never even had a conversation with Frederick. Never had a conversation with XXX. Had a conversation with Juice World because he came on Breakfast Clubs. But I, I don't know, man. I, I honestly, my honest answer, I wish I could bring all, all three of them. Nah, no, that's too easy. Now you be, now you listen. He wouldn't let me do that shit on the show. He wouldn't let me. He would not let nobody. He would be like, hold up, no. He will, he will keep sitting. He will keep throwing his darts. He, you know what I mean, motherfucker got the best one. He can go for the head. You got it. Come on, give me, give me one. I mean, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I would say XXX Tatashi. And the reason I would say XXX is because I still feel like there was a redemption story to be told from that young brother that could have influenced a whole lot of kids. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think that he didn't get a chance to actually show people that he, 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 he possibly had a ball. You know what I mean? Okay. I mean, none of them really did because they were young, but we saw how wild he used to be, and it seemed like he was trying to turn that corner and put a lot of positive things out there to the youth. So I, I think that would have been, I think we I think we lost a very valuable lesson to teach <clears throat> with him. All right, now before I get to ask you questions about the come up, this is another one, and this is a whole different generation of big people. Who, who, who are you bringing back? Marvin Gaye, Prince, Michael Jackson, Jimi Hendrix, Tupac, Biggie. Why are you doing this to me? Who, who are you bringing back? Big pun, big L. That's too many. Easy. Who you bringing back? That's too much. Why? No, no, I need that. No, no. Who you bringing back? <sighs> I mean, if I'm being, if I'm, if I'm being totally selfish, if it's totally selfish, just thinking from a musical perspective, I really would want want to see what Biggie would have done musically. The Biggie was so far ahead of his time. We're ready to die. So far ahead of his time. with life after death. You, know, you listen to life after death right now. Life After Death Disc 1, that shit is like one of the greatest pieces of musical art in any genre of music, especially hip-hop. So it would have been interesting to see how Biggie would have grown, being that he was so far ahead of his time back then. What would he be on? You know, What did we miss out on? You know? So for me, just on some selfish shit, it would definitely probably be just Biggie. All right, now, now you, you, I'm going to just see you on my side. Now, I'm going to say this. Uh, you got to kick two people out of the rap game right now. Who are you kicking out? Right now, right now, who are you kicking out? Because they, they just like, who do you feel as though you kicking out of the rap game? <coughs> you gotta kick two people out right now. You not giving me no options. No options. You pick who you want to pick. Two people. As you feel um, as though you're trying to kick out the rap game, because you, you real critical about rap. Post Malone. Who the other person be? Oh, I can't think of nobody else. Post Malone, definitely though. And, and for no other reason other than I just probably don't probably I don't really make music like that. I think he's a fake future. So and future gets too much. Future gets so much flack for being future, but then you got a, a guy out there pretending to be future. That's supposed to work. Um, give me some options. Who would you? No, I, I ain't got no options. Oh no, you ain't got. No. <laughs> I'm just asking. <laughs> uh, I can't 
can't really think of nobody else. There's nobody that I really hate in rap right now. Like, there's nobody that I actually absolutely despise. I'm like, yo, why are they rapping? I don't even really despise Post Malone like that. Just top of mind, you have me who I would get about it is, he would, he would definitely be one. I would have to really think hard for another one. You know what I mean? Crazy. Crazy. All right, I'm going to give you a pass on that. It's the only one pass I'm going to give you now. Who won't fuck 2020? Who, what, what artist? You could be a couple. Who do you got fucking 2020 up? Just destroying it. Mm. I'm talking about destroying it. Just, just, just going. Just, just going. I mean, that's a good. So you mean like new people or people that's already out? Well, like, it's out new people. Who I think got? I think Kendrick Lamar is gonna really fuck 2020 up. Only reason I, I believe that is because Kendrick Lamar has a track record of you know coming out and dropping music that absolutely shifts the culture. Uh, that's why I say for even me to, to the past decade, even though you got to give Drake his props and say Drake is that guy, I would even give I would give that to Kendrick only because it's it's, it's quantity. I mean, it's quality over quantity, right? Like Drake drops a lot of music, features. Albums, whatever. Kendrick has only put out like three projects, four projects in the last decade, and they've all like shifted culture. So I'm very intrigued to see what <clears throat> new decade brings with Kendrick Lamar. But I think he's gonna come out in 2020 at some point and really, 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 really fuck you. Who run the rap game? Give me three artists that run this shit. They got it in the head, like right now. I'm talking about that running. That I'm talking about. I'm talking about. You remember it was a time when you had Jay Z, DMX, you had them people that just was like yeah, smashing yeah. shit out. Who's yeah. smashing shit out right now? Who? Which three boys that run it? They the kings of this whole rap stuff. Well, you got you got to get up to Drake Cole and Kendrick. Drake, J Cole, Kendrick Lamar. Put a street rapper in. No street rapper going. Yeah, the meat, 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 definitely. Nipsey, um, God bless the dead. YG, you know what I mean. I feel like still on the street level, they still got it. Um, I think that you can't front on Atlanta either. Like, when you talk about, like, especially the past decade, like, you got to put Atlanta as a whole because when you got Future, Young Thug, Migos, those three right there, they dictated the whole sound of a culture. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, like, totally. Like, those three right there, Future, Drake, I mean, Future, Migos, and Young Thug, like, for the past 10 years, everybody's been trying to sound like them in some way, shape, or form. So, I mean, there's really no street rappers anymore. Street rappers, like, that's, that's not a... That's not really a thing like it was when we was growing up. Like Meek was Meek is probably the last one to really have success on that level. And then of course Nipsey, YG maybe, but it's not too many street rappers that are having that level of success. Before you got married, how many women you cheated on? Cheated on? Yeah. I cheated with. <coughs> cheated on. Cheated with. I mean, the only one I ever cheated on was my woman because we was together for we've been together twenty one years. I thought black man don't cheat. Black men don't. Black boys definitely. Oh, I like the, that was a good. That was a good. That was a good. True. That was a good. Black men don't, but black boys absolutely do. And we don't know no better, and we immature, and you know we got fragile egos, and we trying to motherfucking do all of these other things to make us make us feel better about ourselves. Absolutely. All right, you know everybody see see the guy right now. We see you right now. Talk about some of the grunt work you had to do to get here at the beginning. Like, what did you have to do? When did get caught? What was the grunt work at the beginning? How long did the grunt work last? Was it ever a point in time in your career where you said, hold up, this journalism, this whole stuff I'm doing, is it might not be for me. Was it that time? But what about this grunt work at the beginning? Like, who was it? Who, you was, who had you on dummy missions? Well, I started off as an intern at D93 Jams in Charleston, South Carolina. Um, so I was, doing, I was doing grunt work for everybody, whether it was motion director, whether it was the morning radio personality at the time, Tessie and Baby J, whether it was the afternoon personality, Yanni. I was that dude that wasn't leaving. Cause you got to think, I came from 
I was going to South Carolina, I was selling dope. You know what I mean? I was working at Taco Bell. I worked at the mall. I, I did whatever I had to do. So to be in that environment, which I thought was a very positive environment, radio, I would stay there all day. What else I had to do? <laughs> Other than be on the block smoking weed and drinking with the homies. I was like, nah, this is where I wanted to be. So I did grunt work for every fucking body. Like, I, and I was that guy. I would I would drive the station vehicles wherever they wanted to go. I go get a pizza. I go get a make coffee. A lot of them used to smoke weed. I definitely knew where to get that from. So I bring them their weed. It did not matter. Whatever I had to do to be there, I was down to do it. And they used to want me there because I was the guy that could go get them that shit that they just couldn't pull up somewhere and go get weed or whatever else. So they used to want me there. So I, I've never had a problem doing I'm the type of person, man, I recognize opportunity when it's not a paycheck attack. A lot of kids don't do that. Like, I was an intern from 1998 to 2000, and they put me on, I don't from 98 to 99, and then 99, they put me on, they hired me in the promotions department, but I was still doing the grunt work. I was just getting paid like four or five dollars an hour for it. And then when I started doing radio in the year 2000, it was the same thing. It was still the same pay, six dollars an hour. I was just on the air now. So I was always the type of person, even when I moved up here, Columbia, South Carolina to work with Wendy. I worked with Wendy in, uh, from old six to 2008. When they first offered me that gig, they was like, yo, we can't pay you. We can give you a place to stay. Cool. I was out. Like, I packed my shit up, and I, I wasn't doing nothing else. I had no kids nothing at the time. You know, and my, my now wife, she was my girlfriend then. So that was hard to leave. But if you really understand that, you know, you love something and somebody's going to be there for you, like, you had to believe that. I had to believe that we was going to end up together anyway. And I was right. So it's like, yeah, like, yeah I'm, I'm still willing to do the good work now. All right, now I talk about that. When I was on YouTube, the White King, yes. So we didn't meet you, yes. Who was the people in your life, in your career, that gave you them big yeses? Who gave you them big yeses to say, next level, next level, next level? And is there still some yeses out there you're looking for? Oh, yeah, that's a lot of yeses. Right, I don't even think you need five yeses. I just think you need one. One yes will change your whole life, but definitely um, my man Cadillac Jack, G-Spin, they said yes to me hosting on the show on Power Five One in New York back in 2010. That was a life change. Wendy Williams saying yes to me being her co-host, you know, um, in New York City. And um, my man Mike Love, Mike Love is a guy who hired me in Columbia, South Carolina after I had gotten after I had quit one radio station in Charleston and went to go work at another one, I'm fired from there. And, you know, he gave me a yes. And I needed that really more than anything at that time because I didn't know what I was going to do after, you know, getting fired from Charleston. I didn't know anything else about radio. I just knew about those two stations. I knew you could go do radio in another another market out of town. I didn't know that. So when he gave me that yes, that just opened up my, my mind to what the business of radio would be. So, yeah, those, those three yeses on a professional level Absolutely, positively changed my life. A major, on a major level. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they put me in the positions that, that I'm in now. A lot of the other yeses that you get um, at this point in the game, they don't even really come from, like, they don't even really come from you searching for things. You know? They come from people presenting you things. And it's like, I'm the one saying yes or no now. And you just got to make sure you're making those right decisions when it comes to yes, you know, on, on your on your personal level, because that's what helps you get to that next level. Now, there's certain things that you can present, like right now, when you might pitch ideas, you might have ideas on how to take your whatever business is to the next level, and 
they have to say yes on that. But it's really not even a yes or no thing. It's just like if you don't do it, somebody will. You know, because you, 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 that's you, how the game is. Now. That's how the game is. You had you had you had that point where you don't have to say yes because somebody will. So it don't even matter if the person says no. I'm talking about like back in the day when no meant fuck and yes meant everything. You think technology changed everything? You know why? Because we sitting here doing this right now. On an iPhone. On a fucking iPhone in a tripod. Like, you're you're creating content. Like, they need to license the content that Wallow will create. Like, all of these people have all of these platforms. Where they going to get the content from? Creators are right here. But no, you know what I realized? A lot of people that can... How do you feel about this? It seems like a lot of people that can do things and green light down or cut the chair, whatever. It seems like we living in a world where all the executives want to be celebrities now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like... It's like the athletes and the executives want to be rappers. The rappers want to be street niggas, and the street niggas want to be rappers. Mm-hmm. So how do you like, like it's like, and then everybody talk this culture shit. The culture, the culture, the culture is like, what the fuck is you talking? About? Every everybody got to play their position. Like I, I, I agree with you. I think that you have two kind of executives. You have coaches, <laughs> executives who just don't know what the fuck's going on. Out there. Then you have the executives who who may know what's going on, but don't know how to get to people like us. And then you have the executives, like you said, who don't want to relinquish any type of power whatsoever. They want to keep power amongst the people that they feel comfortable with. Like, you know, you know, there's certain people that you empower that probably will take your job. You know what I mean? But I don't look at it like that. I look at it as they're creating their own job. And whatever, you know, they, they whatever gets taken away from me by empowering somebody else, cool. It's always going to be another way. If you yeah. think Jay-Z give a fuck that J. Cole is one of the biggest artists, out right now, like you know what I'm saying. Like, like if, if Meek signed some young boy from Philly who blows up and is bigger than Meek ever was, you think Meek should really give a fuck? No, because that's what happens when you're an executive. You're supposed to empower other people to be better than you. So what you're saying is absolutely right. Some of these people, man, they just can't get out of the way of still wanting to be in front of the camera, as opposed to realizing like, nah, fuck your ego, fuck that fame shit. I'm going to cash these checks and empower the next generation. Right now, you got Robert Skirt in jail, right? Supposed to be coming home in 2020, they said. Uh, 6 ix 9 supposed to be coming home in 2020. Bobby Skirt did everything he supposed to be doing that was culturally correct when it comes to street culture and all that shit. 6 9 did Is Bobby, do you think Bobby going to get the same support? Is the support, like, of him coming home? I know we know the rap community going to gonna do like this. They're gonna do like this. Everybody wanna be around Bobby. You know we gonna understand it. But do you think he's gonna get the same media support? He should. He should get more. You know what I mean? Um especially like you said, based off the code of the streets. Based off the code but, of the but, but 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 when it comes to media, media don't give a fuck about the nah, media shit. don't give a fuck. Media give a fuck about celebrity. So Sixnine is the biggest celebrity. Now that could change, meaning that Bobby Smith might come home next year and every artist in their mother, every Social influence and their mother is making him up and, 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 and talking about him. And yo, Bobby Smurda home, so that's gonna make all these other motherfuckers be like, That Bobby guy's a big deal. You see, Rihanna just posted about Bobby. Oh, LeBron just posted about Bobby. That's that's what makes all of these executives and media personalities gravitate towards people based off what the people that they look at who are doing shit in a major way. How do they view things? Because they don't want to feel like they're missing out. Like right now, they're not thinking about Bobby Smurda. But when he comes home next year and he gets that warm welcome from the culture, that's probably going to be the difference between him, you know, signing the deal for a few M's or, or as opposed to coming home to really not much. 
And honestly, we're just trying to catch on to what's going on. Out here. Yeah. What about Max P? Same thing. I think like if, if Max comes home, and because Max is very talented, he was talented before he went. If Max comes home and he gets that love from the coaching in a real way, yes, everybody will embrace it. Media, record labels, whatever the fuck it is. You know what I mean? It's really just about like like we control the pool. We definitely control the pool. That's we control it. Pool. We control the pool. At the end of the day, it's like this though. Like it's it's hard for a lot of bands. There was so much music coming out. Sometimes it's hard for artists to take over because it seemed like we have a. Everybody out here is it's a movement of an unloyal fan base to do like this. Yeah, yeah. They like people don't even have to, like you could be like I know dudes out here, big time dudes out here that was popping last year that's not popping now. It's like it's so easy to get cold out here. Absolutely. Like like what do you think like with all the streaming, all the touring, like you know, do you think this music game is so saturated? It's just too saturated. You know, I don't even know if it's about the music anymore, Marlo. It's about the lifestyle. It's the lifestyle. lifestyle. I know it's about the people, lifestyle. People like getting on social media and watching what people are doing. Like, you know, like think about Rihanna. Rihanna put out music for Ella. Still, she's still gets <laughs> like three to four years. But she, she's Rihanna. So everybody checking for her all the time. They want her, her, her makeup and they check for her what she's wearing. Like they don't really care that she's putting out music. Same thing with the six nine six nine. People fall in love with who he was. His lifestyle. Cardi B is a great example of that. Before people even knew Cardi did music, they loved her. Yeah, she was. You a good example of that. Like they love your personality, they love the motivation that you do. I don't even know if you need music. Like your Gilly, Gilly. When the last time Gilly put out a song? Gilly's a nut ass nigga. I don't remember. I don't know the last time he put out a song. But but Gilly might be more popular. Yo, no, it's not even might be. Gilly's more popular than he probably ever was. Giving up game. That's it. Just by game. His natural, funny personality and just giving up game. He's more popular than he ever was. So I don't even know if you necessarily need music anymore. You just need people to buy into you. Whatever that you is, once they buy into you, they'll they'll, they'll buy whatever you sell. I think it, I think your you is not your you to me. And me and Gil talk about is basically not giving a fuck because everybody so care about being politically correct and trying to stay there and trying to be buddy buddy with the people. It's like. What is an interview if I'm not going to ask the questions that I need to ask? Like, uh, you know, a lot of times people is afraid to ask them them, them questions that, and you will ask the questions, and it's like, sometimes it come across as hating. You remember kind of Common Sense said this, and I see the bitch in you against when he was going against Ice Cube. He said, if I don't like it, I don't like it. That don't mean that I'm hating. But if we live in a world now where everybody, like I said, is so sensitive, like, it seemed like since Diddy and them came out with, got a PhD. Play a hater's degree. <laughs> that, that, you think about it. Yeah, That's yeah, what we got. Yeah, we got yeah, the word hater. We never use that word. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, hate means to greatly dislike, but it's like you gotta be in agreement, or it's like a motherfucking world. And if you don't like something, yeah, everybody not hating is just that some people, some people might be telling you the truth. You know what I mean? And you may not like what people say. Like some people, some people gonna watch and say, "Oh, he hating on Pokemon." I hate it. Just wallow ask me a question. I yeah, I think, yeah, it's just it's just a question and an answer type situation. But it's like, yeah, that is some hating shit, a motherfucker. So yeah, tell him he's a hater. He did. He hate anyway. He hating on posts. I'm just only thinking about something that I could do without. But that's just me. That's just my person. But who else you can't do that you can do without? It's, it's another rapper, man. Stop, stop. It's somebody. It'd be a rapper. Not, I'm beyond you. It's really not. Somebody on Instagram. Somebody that just. It's something that drives you crazy, man. It's really not. It could have been a man rapping. Big guy. Love that shit. You would have loved it. You would have loved it. You was that's the rapper. thing, though. Like yo, back in the day when people used to really be saying Charlamagne was hating, it's because the game was really whack to me. It was just like a lot of whack shit out there, so it was easy to critique certain things. When did you talk about back when? Probably 
like early 2000s when I first started radio. Like it was a lot of corny shit. Cause you gotta think about the shit. I'm a guy who grew up on Biggie and Wu Tang, Ghetto Boy, Scarface, Ti, Jeezy, Goody. I grew up on that type of shit. Goody Mob, Outkast. Like I grew up on that shit that I considered that that shit. And then the game took like a hard left turn. He's like, what the fuck is going on out here? Like, like you know what's crazy? Like I, we all both grew up on all that. But everybody you just named. Locked up on it. Yeah, locked up. That was a good ass high. That was the 
man, you still talking about that, dog. <laughs> they want to get more, dog. Stay, listen, he's starting to start, shit going to start coming up missing at the station. He's nah, like, it's crazy, though, because I'm thinking that I was literally in my early 20s, and I can, I, I don't I don't forget what that shit felt like. That was a good high that night. I, I remember who I was with, too. It was me, my cousin Kendall, my homeboy Tyrone, and my man Omar. It was all together that night. I'll never forget that shit. All right, listen, if I'm a young journalist, I'm going to what game would you get that kid in college right now that's trying to be see the guy that's seeing you, that's going to school for journalism, you know what I mean, uh, that's trying to, you know, mobile uh, on journalism or something? Mass communication. Mass communication. What do you tell them? Right now, they're looking at this, they, they don't know. they just stuck in between the rock and they're trying to figure it out. What do you tell them? Where can they start from? How do it go? I'm going to tell you some shit, man. I didn't go to college, right? Being that I didn't go to college, I, I can't encourage anybody to go to college to be a radio person. Oh, the person that's shooting the podcast, too. Yeah, I, I, I would tell you just to be your own authentic self. You know, when you look at, and I got to put Wallow in this too, when you look at somebody like Wallow, the reason Wallow is having success is because he's truly himself. You're telling your own unique story. Like, you got a story that only you went through. So everything you speak on is based off your experiences, things that you personally witnessed. That's the same way I live my life, you know what I mean? And, and, and I'm not afraid to, to live my truth, right? Like, regardless of what it is, I'll tell you about, where I used to work at, I tell you about dope I used to sell, I tell you about where I'm at in my life now, going to therapy, there was nobody to smoke, I tell you about going to, to therapy now, dealing with my mental health. And that's major. Yeah. Now, 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 now I'm, I tell people, and they always say, damn, wow, and I didn't pay attention to it, in the black community, it's like, we, we, uh, it's a stigma, right? We dehumanize each other too. We, yeah. Like, like we don't want to feel when all, it's like, it's a stigma to go talk to somebody, like, I'm in the process of doing that right now, I'm going to talk to somebody, because it's like, you know, Gil always tell me, man, you crazy as a motherfucker. Man, I, don't, I don't pay him no attention because he's burnt out himself. But what I'm saying is just the fact of, because people always ask me, wow, how was you able to come out here and be normal? I said, I had to go crazy and I had to go insane in order to stay sane, like I said on the show. And it comes to a point where it's like, I really, I think it's a problem that I could go into a place where it's though me seeing somebody get stabbed, me hearing about somebody get raped, and me ever the shit, listen, shake it off, like, oh, that's jail shit. Yeah. Just be doing my bit, doing my time, and then when it's time to go go, go home, I'm deep, I'm, I'm deprogramming myself, so I, I got to deprogram myself so I can reprogram myself, and then I'm walking back out, and I'm just, it's like, I've seen a bunch of crazy shit, I'm out here living my life. And it's like, do I need to like, do I need to like, talk? because it's like, it was, it was like, it was hard for me at first when I was seeing it. Then the old man told me, you gotta, you gotta make all this shit reality. And I said, what you mean? He said, you gonna see people stand doing here about people get raped, but that's the reality of the environment. You gotta be able to make that environment just like somebody getting shot in the neighborhood or somebody selling dope. This is all the reality of the environment. And I was able to program my mind here and I was able to escape through books, through reading, through looking at Anthony Bourdain, rest in peace of him. He was somebody that I always looked to. And I was able to escape, but it was like, damn. Do I, you know, it's stuff that I think about childhood growing up. It's like, I really do need some, want to talk to somebody. I don't have no problem with that. Yeah. But, but it's not cool in our neighborhood because it's a sign of weakness. Absolutely. Asking for help is a sign of weakness Absolutely. in the hood. And ain't nothing wrong with that shit. What you just said is the realest shit, man. We normalize so many things yeah. that shouldn't be normal. And I think at this age in my life, which is crazy, the last few years I've done more unlearning mm-hmm. than I have <coughs> learning. Meaning that I'm unlearning all of the bullshit that I used to think was normal. You know, and I think that every the environment has everything to do with that. Whether it's the hood, you know, whether it's the hip hop culture that we live in, like we do have to deprogram a lot of the programming that we receive. We got we downloaded a lot of bullshit. And we got to wipe from our memory now and then download 
the good shit. And I think that that's what, you know, dealing with your mental health is. Like, that's what mindfulness is. Like, yeah, you should talk to somebody. You was in jail for 20 years, yeah. bro. And I've been working on this thing I've been writing. And I take time on it. Just, I got to be feeling it when I write. It's called The Dehumanization of Black People by Black People. And I'm talking about how we dehumanize ourselves. Like, everything that got to do with being a human, feeling, emotions, we try to get away from all that shit. Like, that shit is not cool. Like, it's not cool to be emotional. It's not cool to cry. It's not, man, I, like I said, I, was, I used to always cry. That was like, that was like uh, somebody go play basketball. Like, you're playing basketball. So I need to do that shit like a couple times a week. And when I'm in the cell, my cell ain't gonna put the sheet up. Damn, right. I'm going through this shit. Prison. Well, after I get here, and it'd be cool, but it'd be refreshing afterwards. But it's like, we just got this thing, man. And I hope and I hope people go out there and get, ain't nothing wrong with mental health. Getting help with this shit. Man. And talking to people about your mental, because you go the fuck crazy. If you don't, if could you carry this shit around like anything cool? When you just been exposed to a lot of shit, that's why some of these young boys out here they be going so crazy and doing things because they was taught to grow up not to fail. They've been exposed to so much shit. They seen their mom get violated or somebody get violated. Somebody die. it's like they normalize yeah. a bunch of things that shouldn't be normal, man. And, and it's real, man. And, and and the problem is we walk around with all of this trauma. We walk around with all of this hurt. You walk around with all of this pain. You know, hurt people, hurt people. Hurt people, hurt people. And we yep. end up redistributing that pain to people that look just like us. It could be other brothers. It could be all women. And that's why you just keep this cycle of bullshit going on in the hood. It take a lot to shoot a motherfucker in the head. Like, to shoot somebody in the head, you know what's going on. It take a lot. You see what I'm saying? To shoot somebody in the head and then just go sit around and go, it take go, a lot. Go, go get something to eat like it's yeah. normal. It take a lot. So it's like, you shoot somebody in the head, go get a cheese stick, go rice and gravy. And just be like, don't smoke a little, like you would smoke a ramble. You would smoke a coconut. He smoked the coconut weed that he did some crazy Oh, man. What's up, YouTube? This is your girl, Megan. Welcome back to the Hood Astro Queen. To all of my returning subscribers, however, if this is your first time joining me on today, be sure to hit that subscribe button because you know you want to. Also, if you are interested in booking your very own natal chart reading, all of my information is in the description box. So, yeah, we can go ahead and get you squared away on today. So, with that being said, today I'm coming to you guys once more with yet another birth chart reading, this time on Miss Destiny Harrison. So for those of you all who are unfamiliar with the name, she is the 21-year-old young woman who was tragically murdered in her own 
beauty salon back in December. I believe it was December 21st. And it was such a huge deal because, you know, you had this very young woman who was a successful business owner. She grinded. She pretty much, I mean, everything that she had, she worked for it. She earned it. Her store was bought and paid for. And she was working in the store. And a few weeks prior to her death, she had actually reported that she was robbed by a male and a woman who basically, like, broke into the shop, stole her bundles, and then assaulted her and so fast forward those few weeks later someone actually broke into her shop while she had customers there and while her daughter was in the store with her and they shot her in the head and fled and to this day nobody is certain as far as like the identity of the murderer and it's just like a big whodunit um it is upsetting a lot of people for obvious reasons like nobody deserves to die like that and it's just sad to see a woman a young woman who has such a big future ahead of her have her life taken from her in such a horrific manner so I was able to get a hold of her birth date and I thought it would be kind of interesting to go over some of the details of her birth chart. Okay, so let's go ahead and get started. So Ms. Destiny Harrison was born on April 16th, 1998 in Baltimore, Maryland. Now, with her being a number 16 birth number, this deals with her life being a tragedy as that number 16 does directly deal with tragedies and for all my fellow 16s out there um it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to die per se but i i've noticed a lot of 16s tend to have an up close and personal relationship with death so be it you know your own death or you experiencing a lot of death around you Or just having a life that is very difficult, a lot more challenging uh, than others. You know, a lot more obstacles that you would have to overcome than others. And you being plagued with a lot of catastrophes. 16 deals with catastrophe. So that is a very challenging birth number to have off that. But also, on the more positive side, as the number 16 does break down to 7, and the number 7 is ruled by Neptune, this absolutely coincides with her interest in hair and makeup. Another observation that I noticed was the fact that Destiny has an Aries stellium, with her sun at the 25th degree, her Mercury at the 10th degree in retrograde, and then her Saturn at the 23rd degree. And... This points towards her being a very passion-driven person. And even when you take a look at her accomplishments and the way her life turned out in those short years, you know, she was only on the earth for 21 years, she was definitely someone who was able to harness a lot of that fire energy and really go for her dreams, you know? Uh, That's very, very much like, that Aries energy. Aries is the initiator. They're cardinal fire, so they're really good at uh, creating and directing and initiating new ways of being. Um, This also makes them great leaders. And like I said, very passion-driven because it's fire. You know, Aries is fire. And these people uh, do really well with kind of just taking that first leap and plunging into think new ideas, new new projects, um, new creative endeavors. And a lot of times, I mean, of course, depending on the other placements in the chart and how their Aries uh, planets are aspected, 
it pays off for the most part. And I would definitely say in Destiny's case, a lot of her more um, risk-taking kind of like qualities, they did pay off for her big time. This is reinforced with her son being conjoined, making a very tight conjunction to that Saturn. And that deals with her being a fear, like taking her passions and making a business out of it, as Saturn does directly deal with businesses as well. Uh, her even taking the initiative and being just an all-around, like, businesswoman, a mogul, somebody who was really able to uh, earn a reputation and maybe even respect of her elders within that particular industry and really hop on that elevator and ride it all the way to success. That's very much sun conjoined to Saturn. She could have been very uh, hard on herself, particularly, uh, but just someone who was just very determined. You know, you can even look at that conjunction between her son and Saturn as like her being super ambitious, super focused, super disciplined and determined. Now on the negative side, uh, stated before, this kid often manifests in a person who is rather hard on themselves. Um, they could experience certain periods of like depression, but with her son and Saturn and Aries, it's likely that she wouldn't, even if she was down in spirits, she probably wouldn't have been down in spirits for very long. Now, something else that I noticed that was very interesting about this conjunction was the fact that uh, according to reports, she was actually shot in the head uh, during the time of her death and that son could join the Saturn in Aries can quite literally translate into head injuries, brain injuries. Uh, and Aries in and of itself deals with weaponry and firearms. Like quite literally this could translate into her experiencing um, a gunshot to the head, gunshot wound to the head. Saturn and Aries, depending on um, the way that it's aspected, just in general, oftentimes comes with some type of head trauma, brain trauma. Um, so, yeah, there's that. Her son is also conjoined to her Mars, which is at the second degree of Taurus, which points towards destiny being a financially driven or a very financially motivated individual and shout out to Paris Milan uh, I was watching her documentary on destiny she has some of the best documentaries her and impressive have amazing documentaries um, but I was watching the one that she did on destiny Harrison where she was talking about how like since she was a teenager, like a young child, Destiny would find all of these different ways to make money. And of course, hair and makeup was one of them, but she also worked at Victoria's Secret and she would pretty much be the type to always have a job. And that's very much encapsulated with the sun conjoined to Mars. Now, women with their Mars and Taurus, just in general, tend to be very, uh, like I said, financially motivated. So I can even look at this um, conjunction as her kind of scheming up or always thinking up ways to like, okay, how can this secure me um, financially, but also even just be the type of person that, that seeks security and stability in all avenues of her life. And she could even be the type of, or could have even been the type of person to seek these things from the men that she's deals with you know women with their mars and taurus are typically really good when it comes to like dating men of means um for the most part if there aren't anything afflicting or if there isn't anything afflicting um that martian energy 
they like they don't date broke niggas <laughs> so this could be you know her even getting money from men or um being showered uh with gifts from men i don't know what her boyfriend or her child's father did in particular but i could definitely see that being a thing her being the type of person to really enjoy luxury at that you know she likes having the the finer things you could also look at that conjunction between her son and mars uh as her being a businesswoman as well like that reinforcing her being very uh affluent in business and business management it also made her the type of person who was capable of going about things in a lot of her passions in a very pragmatic and practical way. Now, with her Mars squaring her Neptune, uh, which is at the second degree of Aquarius, this kind of conflicts that energy a little bit or afflicts it a little bit in the sense that this aspect can point to where um, she was particularly um, easily influenced by peers. Okay, and this is actually a reoccurring theme that I see in her chart. And it could also, like, point to where if she wasn't careful, um, there could have been a tendency for money to, like, slip through her fingers or for even, like, her business to be sabotaged by uh, acquaintances and people in her community, which... I mean, it's very ironic given, you know, the, the chain of events that took place leading up to and even, you know, just the nature of her death. And now that I'm thinking about it, it actually kind of undercut some of the, the potency of her Mars being in Taurus to the point where um, I feel like she could have been exploited by men as well, like financially. I don't know if, once again, I don't know the nature of her personal relationship with her child's father or the men in her life as far as, like, the men she dated. But, yeah, that Mars uh, in Taurus squaring her Neptune at the second degree of Aquarius can absolutely deal with her um, dealing with a guy who's, like, a leech, for lack of a better word. Um, like I said, it definitely does spell out victimization and sabotage uh, by friends, also, I mean, I wouldn't even be surprised if she dated, like, petty criminals, um, drug dealers, maybe, men who even stole from her. Or, like I said, that could even just reinforce her being surrounded by, like, corrupt acquaintances and, and people who maybe she viewed as friends or something like that, maybe who would have been willing to steal from her. Same thing with her son, Square Neptune, okay? Uh, typically, women... A lot of the women that I see with Sun Square Neptune are prime candidates for, um, like, men who have some type of, like, rehabilitation issues with society. Like, for example, uh, I have a ton of clients with, or female clients with Sun Square Neptune, and they've experienced dating men who've been incarcerated, men who are addicts, men who are thieves, men who are drug dealers, um, that kind of thing, right? Men who've been institutionalized in some type of way, they have a difficult time escaping the stronghold of victimization in their uh, relationships with men, and it could have started with the father, 
But with her Neptune being in Aquarius, it just reinforces this theme of like victimization by yes men but also victimization by friendships you know i wouldn't even be surprised if she's encountered situations to where like some of her friends end up hooking up with her you know a guy that she likes or a guy that she called herself with uh, this could even point towards a lot of conflict and infl- infighting amongst friends. I mean, having her son and Mars squaring this Neptune in Aquarius could even point towards her being scapegoated amongst friends, her being gossiped about, her being uh, lied on, um, stolen from. Like, you know, so like not just with men, but just with all areas of her life, like all of her acquaintances and associations, I well, you know, if I were her and if I could actually travel back in time and speak to her, I would strongly encourage her to kind of really be mindful of the people who she confides in and who she really calls herself trusting as a friend. And with Aquarius also dealing with the internet, you know, that sun, uh, Mars squaring her Neptune in Aquarius could absolutely deal with where she kind of shoots herself in the foot by uh, posting like a lot of her business on social media. Now, I know from a professional standpoint, I mean, I use social media to advertise and market my business and, and so on and so forth. But um, especially with that Mars and Taurus square and Neptune, maybe she posted like a lot of the things that she received, you know, like, oh, if she wouldn't buy a car, she would post a car. Or, you know, if she went and bought a house, she would post a house. Like, overexposing yourself, like in a personal way, on social media could have also been to her detriment you know Um, and with her being a a pisces south node and her venus conjoined to her south node she has like this energetic like karmic tie um to being victimized quite frankly um and, and a lot of these aspects in her chart really echo that there was this tendency for her to associate herself with people who, like, the relationship was, like, unbalanced. Uh, she was very compassionate. You know, this setup can make her somebody who was very much, like, um, even gullible. I would even say gullible because her Jupiter is conjoined to herself. No, her Jupiter's at the 16th degree of Pisces as well. So, once again, that number 16 dealing with catastrophe and it also encapsulates this idea of like a lack of discernment right so having like this super compassionate giving nature um to the point where it can come back and bite you in the ass and you're associating with people who are quite literally moochers and people who steal from you who um, like i said victimize you who i mean can plot against you in a lot of ways and with her having that Virgo North node she had a common responsibility to be a lot more discerning in her affairs and to pay a lot more attention to the things that were happening around her which could have been extraordinarily difficult given that she was also a Sagittarius moon now depending on you know exactly what degree the moon for her is placed in um it could have potentially made her moon square her nodes as well as her venus um so that moon square venus and pisces could point towards her because i mean a lot of sagittarius moons have this thing to where i mean they could have either grown up in like a very like 
multicultural environment, or they could have been people who traveled a lot or um, are kind of even predisposed to want to travel and kind of set their sights on the bigger things as they, you know, move throughout life. But with her moon square and that Venus and Pisces, especially moon squaring her, her Pisces south node, could point towards her actually staying local and not really moving from the hood or, you know, how, um, cause I've heard a lot of people put it like that, like, well, well, you know, this is what happens when you stay in the hood. And a lot of people encourage business owners and, uh, up and coming successful individuals to kind of move away from the toxic environment that they grew up in. But with her Sagittarius moon squaring that Pisces South node and Venus, um, and even her Jupiter can point towards where she stayed local due to a need to give back, you know, to where her charitable nature trumped her desire to see the world. Um, it could also even point towards her cutting college or because I, I don't think she finished college, but that could also manifest in her not finishing college due to her cosmetology career. Um, you could even look at that as her doing hair from her own dorm room, which is something that uh, Paris Milan mentioned that she did. It could also point towards hair taking up a majority of her focus. So maybe she couldn't even focus on school like that. Um, I even look at this as her gambling on partners and friends who aren't, who aren't worth it. And with her being a Sagittarius moon, you know, it does reinforce this theme with Sagittarius being governed by Jupiter. Then you have Pisces co-ruled by Jupiter. So it reinforces her south note in the sense that it made her a very idealistic person and even gullible to a certain point. Like I said, reinforcing this theme of her being gullible or kind of naive and having very high hopes, high expectations for other people that more often than not, they weren't able to meet, you know, that's that moon, her Sagittarius moon squaring her Venus, her seeing the best in people and then not working out and coming back to bite her in the ass. And once again, this could have taken place in her romantic friendships, but I, or excuse me, her romantic relationships. But I also do feel like there was a, a, a strong component of this in her friendships. I feel like the people who um, actually killed her, I feel like she knew them. Okay, or uh, the people who, like her current friends, knew the people. You see what I'm saying? Like, I, I feel like it's somewhere, like, within that, with, like, this wasn't just, like, a random occurrence by random people, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Because you could kind of see this um, throughout her chart, you know. Now... On a more positive note, her Venus conjoined to her Jupiter and Pisces definitely made her creative, extremely creative. And once again, reinforces her um, interest in cosmetology and the beauty industry. Uh, I remember looking at a lot of her pictures and she was always beautified, you know, um, makeup to the gods. It's very much Venus could join Jupiter and Pisces, you know, this big extravagant look, like she looked like a brat's doll, kind of, she was gorgeous, um, because it's all about cosplay, or it's all about, like, making yourself up, you know, fantasy, achieving, like, this fantasy type of illusion with your makeup, um, so she definitely encompassed a lot, encompassed a lot of that, that conjunction between her Venus and Jupiter, and Pisces also pointed towards her dressing up and having expensive taste and her personal style reflecting 
her artistic expression, you know? So her experimenting with different hairstyles and experimenting with makeup and wearing different clothes that, that reflected how she was feeling and, or maybe just the headspace she was in creatively. Now, her Venus is actually squaring her Pluto, okay? And that absolutely deals with her being killed at the hand of, you know, associates, okay? People that she interacted with on a day-to-day basis or at least somebody within that social circle. So, you know, that's something to think about too. Also, it could have even pointed towards her being kind of heavy-handed with her spending, her Uranus is at the 12th degree of Aquarius, and it's squaring her Chiron, which is at the 17th degree of Scorpio, reinforcing this theme, this energy signature of her having nefarious associates, dealing with people with ulterior motives, dealing with a lot of jealousy and envy coming from other people. Like I said, particularly friends, acquaintances, people. I mean, this could have been people within, you know, the same industry as her or I mean anything you know um I feel like once again she knows she either knew the person who actually killed her or her friends know these people it's not a at random type of situation going on here also you know that number 12 with her Uranus being at the 12th degree that number 12 deals with victimization and sacrifice it could also deal with uh accidents like sudden accidents so i would even look at that uh uranus squaring her chiron in um scorpio as there being you know it's her death like a sudden death it, it wasn't an accident but you know that uranus energy is very sudden it's very like unexpected it's like even like destined in a way like you know preordained it's something that can't really be controlled or um modified it's just it just happens like these sudden happenings you know her dying instantly also i noticed that her neptune was conjoined to the fixed star guide which pointed towards her being very psychic in nature um it could have made her um not easily understood by other people it could also point towards cruelty from a parent but but it also reinforces this theme of her being greatly influenced by others and then her neptune is also conjoined to the fixed star altair which definitely creates secret enemies okay um it could also point towards a sudden and unexpected death so i i thought that was pretty interesting so yeah also i meant to mention that venus conjoined to jupiter especially in pisces she probably gave a lot of money to people she probably did a lot for people. I can't reinforce enough how, like I said, just compassionate um, she was. And a lot of people, I know, you know, when people pass, a lot of people tend to say that. But I definitely, I definitely see that in her chart for sure. Her Venus and Jupiter were also trining her Chiron and Scorpio, which definitely made her very, like, influential. It also pointed towards her rise and her rise and prominence within the hair field or the hair and beauty industry. Her Neptune and Uranus could have also possibly trined her midheaven. Once again, I'm not exactly sure on her time of birth, but I mean, that 
aspect in and of itself makes sense because it does point towards her having a successful online hair business as well or her having or being able to utilize social media in her businesses her mercury is uh trining her pluto which definitely deals with her being a strong sense of support for her family or, or siblings in particular or they could have been a very strong sense of support for her I also meant to mention with her son conjoined to Mars, you know, this could have created a situation to where it's like she wanted to stack as much money as possible, you know, and it could even have created an effect to where she spoiled her daughter or she went, I mean, her daughter was only like two, was only two, I think, um, but she could have definitely been that type of parent, you know, to be like, look, my child is my motivation, you know, creating security for my child is my motivation, and I'm going to spoil my child, I'm going to give them everything that I've always wanted, she could have absolutely been that type of, that type of mother, um, so yeah, I know I'm kind of all over, I'm jumping all over the place now, but, you know, just all in all, this was kind of, the story was unfortunate, and um, I'm going to do a Lunar Nodal uh, placement series very soon and kind of discuss some of the manifestations of each Lunar Nodal, Nodal placement, but she definitely encompasses a lot of this Pisces South Node energy, and it's just unfortunate that she um, succumbed to it when it was all said and done. So, you know, with that being said, I want to encourage everybody to be mindful of the people who are around you. Pay attention and make decisions for yourself, you know? I mean, not all the time, but, you know, there's always a fine line. So, yeah, that concludes my video because I'm just rambling at this point. Y'all drop down in the comment section. Let me know what you thought of this particular story. Uh, did it touch you? How do you feel? And yeah, make sure you practice unconditional self-love so that you can love others. And until the next time. Hey, what it do, baby? It's your boy Trap, boy, friend, cool, money, see him at night. You don't got it, don't worry about it, man, by the way. So where we at right now, man? You brought me to the trenches. We ain't no clip right there. Right here in the clip, our boy Saint. Yeah, man, that's uh, we in Bigley, you know, that part of the clip. Okay, okay, okay. Now, how much is that around your neck right now, man? From the grill, the 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 watch, all that. Look, look take us by one. You know, explain every piece. Well, motherfucking pretty. So this bitch right here, Cuban link, uh, two hundred fifty grand. My little nigga and my shit, you know what I'm saying? Got it done at Jim City, my little nigga. Paid 18 This right here, Chino Link. Uh, Custom little lock on it, whatever. You know, around the time that Trap Boy song came out, I had a 250 then. Now I made that bitch a one. It's a 500. Now it's a 500. I'll give it for 16. I would have got it for 15, but I lost a, a corn top. So wait, that one right there is 18, this right here is 18, five, and this right here is 16? Yeah. Okay. Motherfucking, uh, I'm in a rolling, I got on probation not too long ago, we celebration to myself or whatever, whatnot. 
understand me? Uh, I, I bought it from Manhattan, Manhattan Jewelers. The, uh, the mile, like going to Fort Worth or something. You know, for the, pay 14 grand. I would have got it for 13. I lost to him too with a coin top, 4,000. Like, 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 like
Thank you.